Welcome to Below the Line, where we talk about working in Hollywood from the crew perspective. My name is Skid. I was an assistant director in Hollywood for the better part of eight years, and now I'm not. Today, we're talking about Patriot Games, the 1992 action thriller directed by Philip Noyce, starring Harrison Ford, and based on the Tom Clancy book of the same name. It's currently available on Hulu with subscription, and you can rent it via a number of streaming services. High-level plot summary, Jack Ryan, played by Harrison Ford, thwarts an assassination attempt while in London, and one of the surviving terrorists, played by Sean Bean, vows revenge. Hijinks ensue. At Rotten Tomatoes, its tomato meter score is 73%, and the critic consensus reads, Patriot Games doesn't win many points for verisimilitude, but some entertaining set pieces and Harrison Ford in the central role more than compensate for its flaws. But as always here on Below the Line, we're not focused on what the critics thought. My guests today all worked on the film. Let me welcome Dennis McGuire, the first assistant director. Dennis, welcome. How happy to be here. Now, Dennis, you started as a DGA trainee back in the early 80s, and you worked as an AD for more than three decades with more credits than I have time to list. What are you doing now? Right now, I'm actually, uh, I got several projects. I'm involved as a producer, and uh, actually uh, just submitted one to a, a financial entity this morning, which uh, locally here in New Orleans. Well, Dennis, thanks for joining us today. Next, returning to the show is Annie Ellis, Stunts. Annie, nice to see you again. Good to be here. It's good. Annie, last I checked, you had 146 stunt credits on IMDb. I know that by the time this show airs, it'll be higher than that. Always a pleasure to have you on the show. Always a pleasure to be here, Skid. It's a lot of fun. Well, thanks, Annie. Been looking forward to this one. Finally, we're joined today by Craig Hosking, who is credited on Patriot Games as both helicopter pilot and stunt performer. Craig, welcome to Below the Line. Hi, thanks, Robert. Thanks for having me. Oh, yeah. Craig, if you call me Robert, no one's going to know who I am. You got to go skid on this. So okay. Go back to that. <clears throat> All right. <laughs> Craig, you've been doing aerial work in films for more than 30 years, and we actually met back on 2001 Swordfish, the John Travolta movie, when I was a DGA trainee, and we had that Ericsson air crane carry a bus over downtown Los Angeles. That was it. probably one of the most epic uh, shots ever in downtown LA. We, we actually had a real sky crane helicopter carrying a real bus down city streets and malls that had been evacuated. It, it was epic. So uh, you, you were part of, of history there. <laughs> well, uh, Craig, that's a movie for another podcast. I hope you'll come back when we do our, uh, our Swordfish episode. But for today, let's turn our attention back to Patriot Games. Let's start by talking about how each of you got involved with the project. Dennis, why don't you start us off? Well, actually, I got a call from my father, who was uh, one of the producers on Patriot Games. And uh, he asked if I would interview with uh, Philip Noyce, the Australian director. And it was going to be Philip's first American film. Uh, he'd come off of Dead Calm in Australia. You know, reiterate that it was just a, a joy to finally work with my father. He had been a very successful assistant director early, early in his career. And uh, it was just something that uh, I wanted to do. And I had avoided for many, many years because of the, uh, the whole thing in Hollywood about nepotism. So I just never did it. And then finally jumped at the opportunity because I felt uh, he was coming to the end of his career and I didn't want to miss out on the opportunity because he had worked with his father and had a good working relationship with his father. And Annie, how did the Ellis's get involved as stunts? I got involved uh, through nepotism. <laughs> um, my brother was coordinating the film, and he brought me on. 
I got to double. It was fabulous because I got to double both the bad girl, which was Polly Walker, and she wears different wigs, so that was really fun. And then Ann Archer was um, Harrison's wife, and I got to double her. But um, regarding the nepotism, we're the only, I think we're the only backwards family where my dad got in 12 years after me. <laughs> he was like a motorcycle racer, surfer. So he got in later, but he could pick up anything and do it. So yeah, it was me and my brother. And what about you, Craig? When did you get the call to join this crew? Well, I'd been friends with, with David uh, Ellis, of course, Annie and, and Dennis for years, it seems. And so it's kind of one of those things. I actually don't remember which one of those or, or many other friends in, in the business uh, contacted me and, and pulled me in. It was probably Dennis just because he was kind of the, the lead on, on the project as the AD. Yes. Uh, Craig and I had worked several times uh, before and we had met on Thunderheart. And I was just incredibly impressed with Craig's demeanor and uh, David and I thought the world of him. So uh, when the project was being put together, I actually promoted uh, Craig very heavily, even though my father and I had worked several times with another famous pilot, Jimmy Gavin. I just felt that Craig had the demeanor uh, to work with uh, Philip and uh, the wherewithal to uh, kind of uh, put the stress aside of uh, of this picture. It was pretty massive undertaking. We shot, you know, in England, Annapolis, Yuma, Arizona, and all over Los Angeles. So uh, there was a lot going on, a lot of moving parts. Yeah, I just felt Craig and and David and Annie and Steve Boyum were a, a perfect mix. And then also uh, there was a very famous uh, special effects man because we had so much special effects work. So I just. Uh, those are key people. When you're working as an assistant director, you want to surround yourself with people that you trust and you know what they can do and can't do. And, and when you're working under certain time restraints, it's helpful that you know that they can pull something off in the time required. And they'll also be honest with you and tell you, well, can I have more time? Or is there something we could, you could do and let me you know, do something else while you're, you know, you're trying to set up that, that huge action sequence? Well, Dennis, you listed some of the locations where you shot. I want to come back to that and talk about some of those action sequences as well. But first, let's talk in a little larger context. Tell me about working with Philip Noyce. This, as you mentioned, his first American film. Uh, as I recall, Dead Calm, great movie, but not nearly this size and sort of action or scope. Um, what's it like working with uh, 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 a director who maybe is new to this level of the game? Yeah, I mean, Philip had put a very nice film together. I, I was a big fan of Dead Calm, having grown up sailing and spent a lot of my life uh, on the water. Uh, but yes, he did only have three people to deal deal with on a fish on a sailboat. Patriot Games was massive, and but we supported him, and and uh, he I thought he did a fabulous job. And as you can tell, if you look at his credits, he's done some really you know great large uh, action films. You know, he's uh, a, a talent. You know, I, I was hoping to do the next film, Clear and Present Danger, but I was delayed on a project, so I, I missed out on all that. And I know Craig and Annie and David were on it, so I, I was uh, disappointed that I missed out. Um, this was kind of a kickoff of a, of a, a good and, and continuing relationship I had with Philip. Ended up doing, I think, three or four others, but that's neither here nor there. That just happens because of a good introduction. When I worked with him, it was a pleasure to work with, you know. 
no screaming or anything like some I've worked with. (laughs) (laughs) We we won't name any names, but that's good to hear. So beyond the director, what was like working with the cast on this movie? Annie, earlier you mentioned uh, doubling for both Molly Walker, who plays one of our terrorist villains, and Ann Archer, who was playing Kathy Ryan. Um, Yeah, they were both a pleasure to work with, and I love working with Harrison. I actually have a great picture of uh, me in a red wig and uh, with Harrison. That's one of my favorite pictures I have. But um, yeah, they were all a pleasure as far as I can remember. You know, it was just an all-around great experience. I also know that uh, we had um, Thora Birch uh, in a very young role, plays his daughter. Uh, She goes on to star in American Beauty and Ghost World after this, among other things. Um, And Samuel Jackson is in the movie. Uh, as uh, I believe uh, another professor at Annapolis. Um, although this is several years before Pulp Fiction, it's really not the Samuel Jackson we get to know later through Snakes on a Plane, where I know Annie worked with him again and, and others as well. What was it like working with those guys at this early stage in their careers? Oh, it was great. We had to get a, a couple different doubles for Thora uh, because the one double decided she it was it was too tall for her to you know, go down the the uh, rope ladder down at Palos Verdes. That was fun. We actually ended up when I hit the uh, on the freeway when we, you know, it was three parts. When we finally did the part of me slamming head on into the uh, divider thing on the freeway, we put a dummy in there because it was a little too dangerous to put her stunt double in there. We're going to talk more about that uh, freeway shoot on that. But uh, other folks about uh, working with these actor teams, Dennis, Craig? Yeah, I mean, I was very excited when uh, Harrison Ford came onto the project in prep. And, uh, you know, everybody grew up watching Harrison. And so he's, he, for me, he was a dream come true. And the crew appreciated his openness on the set. He knew everybody's name was just a joy to be around. It, no entourage, no drama. At the time, I did not know who Samuel Jackson was, but he was a very nice man, very cordial, enjoyed uh, Ann Archer tremendously. Actually, early in prep, when we were sitting around a table one time and talking about who's going to play the wife, because in the first movie, Alec Baldwin's uh, character in Red October did not have a wife. So all of a sudden, there was the introduction of having um, Jack Ryan have a wife. I actually brought up Ann Archer because I was a fan of her, more of her independent work, not just the movie she did with Michael Douglas where she played the wife. I just thought she'd be a great choice. We screen tested probably a half a dozen uh, women. We actually screen tested uh, women to play the wife. And uh, Ann did come in and screen tested and she ended up getting the, the, the role, uh, which led me into putting her up for a film called Body of Evidence. Uh, it was a picture produced by Dino De Laurentiis and uh, Dino and Martha and, and our other two producers and the director were like, Oh, Ann Archer, but she's always like the goody wife. And I just said, well, you know, take a look at her work. And the director, the German director, Uli Adel did. And Ann ended up getting the part and she eventually found out who put her up because the agent didn't know, nobody knew. And she called me at home and thanked me, which I thought was tremendous. And once again, she was a joy to work with. Uh, other actors, we had a, just a tremendous cast. And I think that was due to 
being a large studio film, but also Mace Newfeld uh, being the producer and being a longtime producer. And it's, he's still working as far as I know, had a great eye for casting and uh, the studio and my father put up a couple people. So yeah, we just, we had a, a really great time with the cast. There was never a problem. Sean Bean was an unknown entity, such a joy and look at his career. I mean, it's just blown up. I would love to run across working with him again, just because I've been a fan of his work since Patriot Games. Yeah, I mean, Patrick Bergen, you know, had a, had a, a really good role in the playing one of the other Irish terrorists. And I, I was always a fan of his work and the, and the picture he did with um, Julia Roberts, you know, where he didn't play a nice man also. Um, but he is a sweetheart. You know, it's interesting. The real actors can play these evil individuals, but then again, in real life, they're actually just pleasant people you want to kind of hang out with and chat with and get to know. You know, I think along those lines, I, I want to turn to you, Craig. Probably you don't get as much interaction with the folks at the helicopter. And I'm wondering, there are a few scenes where the principals are uh, getting out of helicopters in in, uh, in this movie. But I would think, I wonder if actors are somewhat nervous working around the helicopters when they're with you. What, uh, any stories from this set about working with these folks? Some are and some aren't. Harrison's an aviation lover. Since this time, he's gone on and gotten pilots' licenses in planes and helicopters. He's become very active in the uh, amateur flying community, part of the Experimental Aircraft Association, Aircraft Pilots Owners Association. So he's become a very big advocate for general aviation, as well as as an accomplished pilot. So uh, that's been fun to to see and and know him during this whole transition from construction worker to actor to, uh, to a very successful movie star and very successful as a pilot. <clears throat> He's just the opposite of what you expect. He can't wait to jump on board and, and away, away we go. And in other movies, uh, clear and present danger, he was hanging from the skid of a helicopter without a safety line and, <laughs> and, and really went for it. So, uh, so he's great. Others are, are not. So there's, there's a, a a little bit of a stigma sometimes around uh, helicopters in our business. Some people don't even want to get in them, but, uh, but Harrison was just the opposite. You know, uh, some insurance person's going to hear that thing about hanging without a safety harness <laughs> on your skin and their heart's going <laughs> to drop. Greg, so, uh, <laughs> I think we're, we're 20 years into uh, 20 years into deniability. <laughs> we're past, past the statute of limitations. Right. That. Well, Skid, I put a very famous producer in his Suburban underneath Craig's helicopter uh, in Miami on a film just to get Sharon Stone to bring the the Mustang, the 65 Mustang convertible with she and Sylvester Stallone closer to the helicopter because she was afraid, but Sly wasn't. But so to make her feel comfortable, I had Jerry pull up and literally he was parked underneath the helicopter. And, right. and, and uh, Craig was literally on the deck. So we're like, okay, here's, here's your producer underneath. Jerry will drive down in front of you underneath Craig the whole way. And that got her to do it because I have such respect for Craig and Craig's ability. And that's one of the reasons why I always fight for somebody like Craig to come onto a film because I know he can give the director exactly what he wanted. And Craig did because we tried it with a local pilot on the specialist and it was amateur hour to the max and the director was in tears and dailies and the producer felt so badly. He came up and said, okay, so who is your guy again? I said, it's Craig. So Craig rushed down to the shot we did it within, what, Craig, an hour? That took the other unit 
a whole day to try and shoot. And they never got close to what the director wanted. Never. Yeah, that, that was one of those. Dennis calls on Wednesday afternoon, and by <laughs> Thursday afternoon, we're there shooting the shot, and by Friday, I'm back home. Yeah. And so the producer, Jerry and RJ Lewis, uh, his producer, they were just like so grateful. So after that, they always trusted me when I said, I need somebody. They never challenged me after that because they saw what, what Craig did. And, and, and it's the end shot in the movie. It's fabulous. And one of those things that you always remember. When people like Craig and Annie and David and all these other stunt people I've worked with in my career are on the set, I, I don't worry about certain things. You know, I think the accidents have happened when people are put in positions that aren't, don't have the ability and the knowledge that they have in the, in the stunt world. And that's why in my career, I've always fought for people like Craig, people like David Ellis. You know, if you look at my credits and David's credits, you'll see there's so many matching credits because, you know, I fought my father for David Ellis. You know, he wanted Vic Armstrong or Terry Leonard or people like that. And I love, I've worked with those guys and I adore them. You know, I did uh, uh, Rambo 3 with Vic Armstrong, a very famous uh, stunt coordinator, second year director, director out of England. And, uh, and Terry Leonard is legendary in, in the United States. You know, great guy, great guy to have on the set. But people like David and the people he brings on board and the people like all of Craig's pilots, they're all just great human beings to be around. And the safety's there. And uh, they bring so much to the table. And the directors are always happy because they're making the director's movie, not their own movies, is the other key. I've worked for some people in the stunt world. They're making their own movie. And it's not what the director wants. Well, speaking of Patriot Games specifically, there are a yeah. lot of stunts and a lot of helicopter work. Although if we're going in rough order of the movie itself, uh, I want to start with the London sequence, and I don't think there's any helicopter work there. But for listeners not familiar with the movie, it opens in London. Uh, Jack Ryan is over there uh, making a speech. He's there with his family on vacation. And there's a huge scene where a member of the royal family is attacked by Irish terrorists. What was that like filming in London? Well, we actually couldn't blow up the uh, royal car. It was supposed to be Princess Di. In the book, it's Princess Di and, and Charles. But of course, everybody said we can't do that. So early on, the screenplay never had them. We just called it a, a royal family uh, couple. And um, so we had to go up to Greenwich, which is north of London. And we were at a very famous uh, naval college that we controlled. I mean, we had full control of all the streets, all the area, all the people you see in the background are background artists. And so that's where we blew up the car and uh, just had a, a great experience there. And, and Harrison, you know, you see Harrison near the explosions and we walk, you know, you walk every actor through and you say, here's, here's the parameters Here's the safety zones and with lenses and whatnot. And Craig knows this being a second year director, even out of a helicopter, you can make things look so much closer than they actually are. And people are not next to the car, but if with lenses and, and angles and whatnot, you make it look like Harrison was right next to the car when it blew. Exactly. Yeah. And Annie's always the one that's stuck near the explosion because David always abused his sister. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I mean, how many brothers will have their baby sister take a Porsche at 70 miles an hour and run it into the, the uh, water filled uh, uh, yellow, you know, containers that they stick at those apexes. David yeah. does that to Annie <laughs> constantly. <laughs> yeah. Not just in this movie, although we'll yeah. talk about that scene in a minute. Annie, what was your uh, role in the London work? 
what stunts I, you doing? I that? actually was not in London. Oh, you didn't do the London part? Nope. So Dennis, you're pretty much there on your own then it sounds like. Right. I didn't even, uh, they asked me not even to take my second, even on a large studio film, there's certain cost cutting things. And we did shoot for multiple weeks over there. So it was just a, a combination of trying to, you know, save money. And, and I had British, great British second eighties that actually worked for me eventually on other projects, but, and they have a great film community over there. And so with David being over there and I didn't, we didn't get to bring even Steve Boyum, but David kind kind of with the, the uh, British stunt coordinator and when we put a, a good team together for the action pieces, coordinating all that and uh, had a great experience. I'm working in England is fabulous. I've done it several times uh, from Evita to uh, Patriot Games to a, a, a motorcycle movie uh, called High Speed with a, um, a, a stuntman turned director, Jeff Jensen. So I, I enjoy working in London. I know some people don't like it so much, you know, the Brits, this and that, but I've had multiple great experiences there and I, I would go back in a heartbeat any particular challenges on this besides as you said not being able to shoot in downtown london for the stunt work any particular challenges with um these these sequences yeah there was another sequence in a, a beautiful uh, arcade they call it it, it goes it's a, a glass dome kind of alley street uh, very high-end street called Burlington Arcade. And we had to shoot that uh, on a, a weekend. And I had hundreds of extras, uh, background artists, and had Polly Walker, the Irish t uh, terrorist woman, uh, working there. So um, she was well-known in England. So we had crowds watching us, you know, multiple cameras, you know, a bit of running, and that leads into uh, the little bookman who, who you could double for, uh, you know, running across the street, going into the, the tube. The tube was a great experience because they actually gave us the tube. But the, the day that we got to have the tube was the day of the World Cup in rugby, and England was playing Australia. So I had, a, I had an Australian director and a British crew. So half of them were trying to sneak into pubs to watch, including the director because he played rugby. Philip is a huge gentleman. Um, so it was a difficult Saturday trying to pull off that whole sequence with everybody running around trying to see what's happening in the football match. I mean, the uh, rugby match. So um, it was, it was quite, and half my staff too. So, uh, and I had hundreds of extra. So it was just one of those days going, where is everybody? And I kept forgetting it's the rugby match, you know. It's like, oh, my God, yeah. Do you remember who won? Uh, yes, uh, England did win. England. <laughs> yeah. So a sour so, director. So Philip, Philip had a lot of grief and aggravation, but being the only Australian on the crew. Well, actually, the DP also, Dominic Alpine, who was a sweetheart. But, um, but we did. We had a great experience in England, and uh, we shot at Pinewood. Uh, that's where they do all the Bond movies, and, uh, you know, it's 100 years of film making out of Pinewood. And I've also been fortunate to work at Shepperton, which is another beautiful uh, old studio there also. And everything we got to do in London was a joy and it was fun to, to work the streets of London. I mean, you work the streets in different countries. I mean, New York's unique. LA's easy to film because it's, you know, the hub. New York's not as easy to film. Uh, Chicago is a little difficult, Toronto. But once you get overseas and you're shooting in London, you're shooting in uh, Spain on streets or even Budapest. I, you know, I had uh, a sequence in um, uh, Avita where I, uh, I had two days I took up five blocks with 4,000 background artists doing a funeral procession. 
so that was unique and uh, so it's always fun to go overseas and, and shoot in major cities and and basically tie them up shut them down and create a world well now at this point dennis you're just rubbing it in since you didn't have craig or annie with you i actually wanted them all but uh yeah it was, you know and, and then when they came to me and said okay can you not take your key second i looked at my father and i said you, you mean i don't get to take my right hand i go okay and, but i knew i'd have good staff there and i i had a couple sources and so i uh i did all right i did, actually did great and, yeah. and then my key second on that work is now a very successful producer that does all the harry potters uh, tim lewis is his name actually he's a, a great guy and does all the born pictures and potter yeah he's a rock star never hires me but <laughs> Well, transitioning from London back to the States, let's start with Annapolis. Uh, Jack Ryan is a professor at the school, and the surviving terrorists from the London attack try to assassinate him and his family um, stateside. There's a sequence where Ryan is leaving Annapolis, and he is attacked. Uh, let's talk a little bit about what it was like filming in the Annapolis area. Yeah, that outside the gate, obviously, of Annapolis was... Uh, shot there all the all the grounds we shot there um craig did a, a lot of aerial work in and around the naval college and the town of annapolis and then we also did get to shoot at langley so um that where you saw the gates and walking in that was the real emblem on the ground all that uh was langley all the interiors of langley were built on stage annie's uh which Annie mentioned earlier about doubling and driving the Porsche. That was all Los Angeles. That was the century freeway in Los Angeles. So you, um, so Jack Ryan is a former CIA op. He goes back to the CIA to learn more about the terrorists in the course of this film. And so you actually, so you filmed at the actual Academy in Annapolis and at um, CIA headquarters at Langley. Correct. Now, what about the um, doing aerial work? I imagine in both of these locations, Craig, I think there's a lot of restrictions as far as flying in this part of the country. Well, fortunately, at that time, this was pre-9-11. And so uh, a lot of the heavy uh, restricted air spaces didn't exist. There's still notifications that you have to do and altitude limits that you have to, to comply with. Um, but yeah, it was a lot easier world back then. Craig, let's take the opportunity to talk a little bit about filming aerials in a helicopter. Who goes up with you? Um, is the director up there? Do you have a director of photography up there as well? Like what sort of crew does it take to capture aerials? Well, the key elements there are, are uh, of course, me as the pilot and then an aerial uh, camera operator or an aerial DP. So those are the two that are always there. And then it depends on, on the, the shoot, uh, what we're uh, in interfacing with, who wants to be involved. Sometimes it'll be the main unit DP. Sometimes it'll be the director. Often it's, uh, you know, Dennis or first AD if we're uh, coordinating a lot of ground activity or cars that are chasing things of that sort. So the, it varies in, in every case, but always me and, and one aerial DP. And do you remember who went up for Patriot Games, what it was like on this one? We had David there a lot and Dennis was there with us uh, as well. Uh, but generally it was the aerial cameraman and, uh, and David and me, unless he was needed on the ground for other stunt activity. And Harrison Ford hitching a ride to see because he just wants to fly around with you guys. Is that <laughs> again? I think we're past the statute of limitations for the he'd, he'd catch a ride to work now and then. <laughs> when we got to 
meet uh, the director of the CIA and all the deputies at Langley in prep. We took actually Harrison Ford also because he wanted to see the environment being, you know, an actor and being a, a CIA analyst is his background as the character, the lead character, Jack Ryan. So we actually were fortunate to go to Langley in prep and uh, sit there and chat with everybody. And then by happenstance, Harrison knew that we were not being allowed to see the real anti-terrorist area of Langley. No civilians ever go there. You have to have incredibly high clearance. But he brought it up and being uh, a major Hollywood movie star, um, the director turned to his deputies. And I still remember this conversation and seeing everybody's faces drop because they had always told the producers in the studio, no, you'll never see it. And so he said, well, we can make that happen, can't we, boys? So within 15 minutes, Harrison, myself, and Philip Noyce, the director, are signing these multiple-page documents that we will not divulge anything that we see or hear. And we were taken to the anti-terrorist area of Langley, which was a great experience to this day. It was one of my all-time favorite things to do on it because of what we get to do on a movie. But um, And I was taking copious notes in my mind because I knew I would get debriefed by the production designer because we were building all the interiors on stage at Paramount Studios eventually. So um, uh, when I saw everything, I was a little disappointed. I said, they're not going to believe me when I get back to L.A., how cheesy it looks. It just was <laughs> just typical, not, not, not sexy, not you know, very fancy or anything. So, uh, but that was great. And then we, when we got to film there, you know, we, if you see, if you've seen the movie, but if other people have seen the movie, that's really Langley. We got to shoot there where a lot of people try and mock it up and shoot other buildings for Langley and, and whatnot. But uh, we were there and it was uh, wonderful to deal with all those people. And they were very kind and generous to us. And I'm sure it'd be a lot more difficult nowadays, like Craig alluded to, previously um you may not get to be there like we were at the time because of the nature of the world and there have been incidences obviously at the gate that we've all heard about and people you know doing things that uh yeah are against uh our government but it was a it was a hallmark in my career to be actually there and see the wall with the stars with no names and uh, realize that people do put their lives out for us so there's a lot of respect for all that. And being at Annapolis was fabulous. Shooting with real students, you know, and them wanting to know and us wanting to know about their lives and being in the classrooms with them because we shot in the real classroom there because we had all of them. And it was great because wardrobe was happy because they didn't have to get a bunch of background artists dressed up, you know, in uniforms, which is costly on a movie, as we all know. So we just shot all that right there. So you used actual Naval Academy cadets for we those We did, scenes. yeah. The commander, you know, anybody that I probably were a student, you know, with the, the best of the best and maybe uh, had free time or whatever, they got to work on the film. And I'm sure it was a, a, there was a whole pecking order. You know, the seniors probably got all the jobs and the freshmen got none. <laughs> But it was it was a great experience, and to be you know the, on on the campus and in the hallways and outside that famous gate and whatnot, it was it was it was a great joy. Yeah, I have one comment about back there too. It was so fun. That's where I wore my red wig um, for Polly Walker. But when I wasn't in a scene, I got to help Dennis by being. Um, AD or PA. I'll never forget when we went out on the field and we had all the cadets yeah. for real 
And, and so there was a lot of us out there just like showing them, you know, what they're going to do in this one scene where they're just, you know, going along way out in the field. Wasn't that like a football field type thing? Yeah, over their grounds. Yeah, it was a beautiful yeah. campus. It was it massive. Was gorgeous. And it was, oh my gosh, it was such a privilege, you know, to be such a, uh, to be able to even step foot on their grounds, you know, and they were all so excited to, yeah, okay, what Andy, what do you want us to do? We'll do it. You know, they would, they were so awesome. No complaining. No. No, oh, I want it, you know, whatever. It was, it was just awesome. Fabulous. It's a change for them from doing a lot of marching. And that's, yep. there are a lot of big fields at Annapolis, all the academies for yeah. all the marching yeah. that has to take place. And, so. and you got to remember that Harrison is so generous that he would chat with all them in between, you yeah. know, where a lot of actors will run off to their trailers uh, to avoid the crowds and interaction with, you know, the regular folk. But he was so generous. He would just sit there and chat with them all and spend time with them. Well, let's talk about transitioning from the East Coast back to the West Coast. Dennis, you referenced sort of building the sets on stages at Paramount. And so there's a lot of that work that uh, folks take for granted. But let's also talk about some of the larger action sequences and what you did in LA. We've talked about the freeway driving where terrorists are trying to assassinate Kathy Ryan with her daughter in the car, driving a Porsche on the freeway. Tell me more about this scene coming together. Fortunately, at the time, we got full access to the Century Freeway, which was not open yet. It was not quite complete. So we had several miles, if I remember correctly, Annie. So we had base camp down below underneath the freeway, and we had our own ramp that we just kept going up and down to get on and off. And I had, uh, I think, Annie, what, 150 cars at least up there, um, besides our actor cars, the Porsche that Annie would drive at times or other times we had, you know, we shot Ann Archer driving, and then Harrison Ford in the family station wagon, which I always laughed at because mom had the Porsche, dad had the station wagon, but it was yeah. classic. Well, and mom is a, and, and mom is a doctor, and, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes. and Jack Ryan is just a, 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 a academy school teacher yeah. Yeah, yeah. at this point. But. So, uh, but that was fabulous. And then, as Annie said before, in Palace uh, Verdes, we built uh, the exterior of the house that we could go in and out of. So uh, uh, that was supposed to be the cliffs overlooking the Chesapeake Bay, uh, but we built it in Southern California at the old Marineland uh, property, which is now a golf course and all that. We had a uh, great experience there on the cliffs. You know, we shot quite a bit of work there. And then, but the freeway was uh, logistically was, even though we controlled it, it was just a lot of moving parts because we had, I had people on both sides of the freeway and a lot of high-speed work, insert car, we call insert car work. And then eventually Craig was doing helicopter work with David and, and Annie and Steve Boyum, uh, our other uh, coordinator that would help David, play, actually playing one of the terrorists too that shoots up the Porsche. It, the, the benefit of having people like Craig and David also, for a first unit to shoot everything, you just add more days. And it's a first unit's usually so massive that it's very expensive. So having people like Craig and David and, and great second unit people, you can push off work to them and they'll do it uh, at a high level and can do it faster and cheaper than me dragging makeup and hair and wardrobe and constant, you know, it just slows things down when it's such a big unit to take off and get. But um, 
they did a tremendous job because we did all the large uh, sequences where you saw both actors, obviously. And then once you got into a lot of the heavy action, that was Craig flying, uh, David on the ground, Annie driving, all that. So it was just uh, uh, one of the, I think, one of the better sequences in a film, the action se driving sequences when you've got people coming and going because you had Harrison going towards the action. You had Ann Archer's character driving towards Harrison. So it was just a lot of uh, logistical nightmare being on two sides of a freeway and how, how to get both sides, you know, shot out. Annie, talk more about that stunt. Uh, just that whole sequence where they're firing a machine gun from a van at a Porsche, shattering the window in and out of cars, and then eventually right driving head on into the divider. <laughs> I mean, Annie, yeah. honestly, right. I'm surprised you're here to talk about it. I mean, it was ridiculous. No, no big deal, Skid. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, the cool thing about, I was just thinking when Dennis was explaining all the freeway, it was that, what's the number of that freeway? It's uh, the 105, is it the 105? The, the LAX. Right. And they were, still, they were still building it. And I could think of four big films that I've worked on where they get so lucky that, you know, it's not as big a deal. Like the 118, before it went through, all the way through to um, Thousand Oaks, we used on a big film, Mel Gibson thing, going the other way to the 210. Like, they're so lucky that they get that when it's being built. But it was, this was a really fun um, thing, actually, because we got my sister, Shinoa, got to work, too. She got to ride passenger in a car and then I get, yeah, they shoot out the back windows. The double for the little girl screamed when they did that. I was like scared the shit out of me. Um, but I was like, whoa, what are you screaming at? Like, you know, she knew they were gonna do that. But then, but then the next take is I go all the way across every lane and at the last second, I turn my car so that your cars will hit door to door. And that was in my dad's car. So I got to go crashing to dad and uh, again, screamed and grabbed my steering wheel that time. Yeah. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah. So the next shot was the head on. We put a dummy in the car. And it, that's just for safety reasons. You do not, you know, A, I'm not going to get my steering wheel grabbed. <laughs> and but be it's just you know so much safer to do it that way uh, i'll never forget though it was weird how the windshield actually popped out it didn't break i had the the back was already uh, of course shot out but the windshield when i hit it actually popped out it was a trip. <laughs> the All impact yeah and i need to be clear when you said you put a dummy in the car you, you, that was the for the passenger. The passenger was a dummy. You're yes. still driving the car yeah. head on into the, uh, into yeah, the a, divider. It's a trip to do that. But, you know, whenever <laughs> I do, especially driving stunts, it's almost like, you know, you, you have to keep an eye on everything around you. But at the same time, your your mind is kind of in a tunnel where you are so, so, you know, in on exactly what you're going to do. So it's just like, we're straight at the thing. Look at my speed to make sure I'm correct and crash. And I just jumped right out and kind of wanted to do it again, actually. <laughs> <laughs> is it a specially built car for that kind of stunt? In other words, is it you have extra reinforcement inside, yeah. like a racing car, these sort of things, or and you're not just pulling a Porsche off the shelf. 
they of course reinforced stuff, but it, it didn't have like a roll cage in it, but they did do some reinforcing in it. Definitely. Yep. It was fun. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you keep coming back for more, Annie. Rick, tell me about filming the aerials on these action sequences. What's that like? Well, that's always tricky to, to combine, uh, you know, the airspace coordination we have to do because in this situation, we're right there in, in the approach to LAX as well as, as uh, the, the ground activity when it's ready to go. So it's a bit of a tightrope for us to time it well enough to be there at the right time. And, and often uh, LAX is, is trying to feed us right in between their approaching traffic. So it's a busy, it's a busy environment. I've got one radio to Dennis on the ground and I've got another radio to air traffic control and I've got an intercom with the, the director and the aerial DP. So it becomes quite a, a, a mental uh, audio overload. And then you're just subconsciously flying the helicopter because of years of experience and, and lining up the shot while all those things are going on. So it can get pretty busy in there. Big division of attention kind of a thing. Another question for you, Craig. Tell me on this, if, as I mentioned at the start of the podcast, you're credited as both a helicopter pilot and a stunt performer on this film. If you're in camera, in other words, if we're seeing a helicopter and you're flying it, is that when you're credited as a stunt performer or is there another aspect where you're working in the, under the stunt contract? Well, I've done, I've done a, a bit of both. In this one, it was all related to flying the aircraft. But yeah, I've done a little ground uh, stunt work as well. Certainly not crashing cars into dividers, but, <laughs> but uh, I did crash an airplane into one once. Uh, similar kind of <laughs> what Annie was explaining on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, in this case, uh, the, the most of it was the aerial camera work that, that uh, we were there to do. But the beauty of uh, people like Craig and uh, um, the, the personnel that Craig brings on to each of our films, we do put them under a stunt can contract because a lot of times when they're being photographed in the air, I think I alluded to um, the specialist earlier, there was a sequence with things blowing up where I had to put Craig in basically in harm's way if something if an explosion went wrong, which we all know can happen. But, you know, Craig does go under a stunt contract because he's flying a helicopter that is basically in the stunt world. So that's when it's justifiable to producers and studios that are certain people are under a stunt contract. Exactly. What other memories do you guys have of filming in L.A., whether from the stages or around town? Well, the big epic one for me was the offshore scene that we did with the boats. And Annie referred to earlier uh, as we were all conversing the other day about uh, the rain, the weather, the sea state, and uh, one of the sequences, which was epic. And, and I still, I haven't kept an updated reel, but back when I did, this was a shot that's on my on my reel. And it's Harrison in this boat, banging through the waves, and he's really driving the boat, and he's really engaged in this handheld, uh, or in this hand fight on the boat. And it's raining for real. And there's another boat that's smashing into it. And there's a fire gag on the boat. And uh, David and I are overhead in the heli camera helicopter and it's at night and we're out at the ocean and uh, boy, it had a lot of major elements that was re that required a, a great degree of precision out of all of us. And uh, it's an epic, epic shot. Craig, let's talk, uh, let's, let's all talk more about that sequence, but to set the stage a little bit, the finale of the film is as you described, Craig, Harrison Ford, Jack Ryan in one boat and being chased by our three remaining terrorists 
spoilers, the other terrorists don't make it out of the house. But these three are left in the boat, chasing Harrison Ford and Sean Bean, of course, as is expected. They have their final big confrontation on one of these little boats. Massive number of elements. It's definitely a signature bit of this movie. Let's talk about putting this together for all of you. I'll jump in and then Dennis will finish it. But some of it was in the tank, which I wasn't a part of. But the, the epic thing for me is, is how much of it was real. I mean, yeah. it was the real ocean, the real storms, the real waves, Harrison on the boat. And it, it wasn't faked. It wasn't green screened. Uh, there was some tight coverage in the tank, but, but it was the real deal. And, and it was epic. Yeah. So when we were in prep, when we were putting it together and, and uh, uh, Philip wanted the whole thing shot live. And of course, logistically, you know, that's that is just a kind of a nightmare to schedule like that and and the weeks that it would take to do so we came up with this concept of of having craig and david shoot live boats at night with helicopters with light panels so they could see and then um we uh, knew that we could shoot in the b tank at paramount with uh rain and nine ridders uh, uh, wave ma- wave machines. We had these three thirty thousand gallon dump tanks also because there there's a sequence that did not make the movie where Sean and Harrison fight on the reef. The boats crash into the boat crashes into, and so Harrison of course wins the fight and he's lying there. And then we had we had a sequence where we wanted Harrison. You're not sure if he's dead or alive. And so uh, we get set and we roll cameras. And I was out on the reef. I was hiding between these massive dump tanks that were like three stories high. And so I roll cameras and we had multiple cameras, one on a crane even that was a techno crane armed out and roll camera. And I cue Harrison because the noise was deafening, you know, even over a bullhorn. So I cue Harrison and cue this effects guys to dump the water. And it just, I mean, most actors would have drowned. But Harrison being Harrison, he took it. We cut, cut, cut. And then over the radio comes from my, my director in his wonderful Australian accent. Harrison, can you not roll around so much? <laughs> <laughs> so Harrison looks at me, he goes, does he realize that I'm actually drowning out here? <laughs> And so I giggled and I said, yeah, I know Harrison. And so, because we had spent, uh, I think we, the tank was five days. I think you guys shot probably a couple weeks on the water. Right. And then we also did what was what's called rear screen projection. And we shot in a warehouse because the sound stages were not long enough because you have to get the projector far and away from the screen to project on the back of it. So when you're shooting, we took the boat out of the tank, put it in the warehouse so we could see the boat behind us because David and Craig shot the boat behind us on the open water. So yeah, it was three massive elements to create that boat scene. And I think it's seamless. You know, we shot, you know, so much in the tanks, so much on the open water, and then so much once again uh, in the warehouse for rear screen projection with all the, you know, the wind and the splashing of water on the, uh, for even for the rear screen projection. So it was just, uh, it was epic. Uh, and uh, I think a great sequence done by everybody, visual effects, second unit, first unit, and special effects. They did a fantastic job. I'm quite proud of that sequence. That's true. And you know, and a, a little sidebar to that is that uh, we were filming that during the LA riots. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, they, they kept the, the, uh, 
the ocean crew down there in hotels so they didn't have to drive through the city. But uh, David and I were commuting back and forth from the Burbank airport where I was based at the time. And we'd take off in the mornings uh, or, you know, come, it was all night. So we'd take off in the morning to fly home from work. And it was just this eerie glow of fires burning all over LA. And, and we'd turn off the lights in the helicopter. We were flying black, dark and illegal to get home because we didn't want to be a target in the sky for somebody to shoot at. But that went on uh, f- for several days and it was just eerie and, 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 and weird to, to see all that happening. And yet, for the rest rest of the world, life was continuing to go on and we were making an epic movie. I'll say about the boat stuff. I mean, we went way out in the ocean and just the weather to try to, I mean, I've been on films where for some reason they did the shot with the actress and then wanted me, like when I did my first car hit, they had just rolled her off the car. And it was kind of the same thing with Harrison, you know, don't roll around as much. They want, you know, I broke the windshield on the first one. Oh, no, no, no. You have to roll with your arms together. And, but just to match all of that weather out there. And to have the, they had to have the huge dunk takes and the wind and the rain. Because one, one night we could not leave the harbor because the weather was insane. And I remember Craig and I believe my brother was in the helicopter that night where we stayed in the harbor to do shots, what yeah. shots we could even get. When we went way out to sea, we were in the shipping lanes. And I remember several times over the radio, Dennis and other guys would go, okay, jam now, because you got to get out of the shipping lane. They look like they're a good mile away, those ships, but they are on top of you in a heartbeat, like way faster than you would think that they're going. So it was just crazy. I, I do remember one shot where I'm doubling uh, Polly Walker in that one, black wig. I'm holding my machine gun. And, you know, so you only have one hand to hold on to the boat with. <laughs> and you are jamming full speed over big waves. You know, literally going airborne in the boat. But there was one scene where I had to not be there next to him driving the boat. So I had to go and hide behind the back little chair in the boat. And that was a little bumpy. Um, I thought I was going to fly out of there, but I had to like just hang onto the chair and just go bam, bam, bam through the ocean. It was definitely epic as they are using that word. That was, yeah. it was crazy. I mean, that was all for real. No CGI, no yeah. nothing. It was yeah, no models. No. It was crazy. And for Craig to be up in some of that weather, too, was you better have a really good pilot. And we did. So it was awesome. So a question about the weather on this one. Dennis, the storm is practically a character in that scene. I presume it's written. You want that with the storm. How do you schedule these kind of shots with storm? Like, in other words, how do you guess that there's going to be two weeks in LA where it's storming every day? Or are you trying to create as much of that as you can? We, we did create so much of it because we, you know, it, it, with the filmmaking, as you know, and you've had experience in it also, you want to take out a lot of what ifs and not wait. There was a thought of going up to um, uh, the state of Washington and shooting Puget Sound. And then that's, there's also limitations about that. And, you know, do you sit around and wait for storms or whatnot? So, like I said earlier, we built the exterior of the house. So we did do practical rain there. We shot 
in the B tank. So the whole B tank of Paramount, the one acre B tank was rigged with rain and the, to create that storm with the Ritters and the wave machines and, and uh, the dump tanks. And then Craig and, and uh, David and Annie and all the other stunt people out on the open water, uh, a lot of it, uh, you know, didn't happen in the rain, obviously, because we couldn't always predict. But as we were shooting in winter, because we were even cold doing the B tank. I mean, Harrison and I were wet for 12 hours a day, five days straight. You know, he, he one time, uh, he needed to go back to uh, shore, as they say. And so I had the little Zodiac come out, pick him up and take him back. And when he came back, I grabbed him, you know, to help him back on the reef. And he goes, you're freezing. And I go, yeah, yeah, it's cold. Uh, and he says, you never leave. And I go, well, you know, if I leave, you know, we're going to be here for weeks on end. So I go, we got to keep driving this thing. And fortunately, he was a champ. He never said, oh, I'm cold. I want to go home early. He stood right there also. It's like, let's, let's go, boys. We're ready. So that was, you know, excellent. Having somebody like that that could help drive the set and not let things slow down and other actors yeah it would have been a nightmare just to get them out there every time because you're you're drenched there's no way you know he uh, he obviously wore a wetsuit underneath a very thin wetsuit underneath his wardrobe but i didn't have a wetsuit i just was in my clothes and my in my uh, gore-tex outfit and you know you can have the four five six eight hundred dollar gore-tex and you still get wet and with all that wind and all that water you're drenched for hours and hours on end there's no relief you know, yeah, it was, it was, uh, you know, a, th a whole thought process went through to create that sequence. You know, do we sit in Puget Sound waiting for storms constantly? And of course, Paramount was like, no, we're not going to let a film crew sit up there and, and wait for it and shoot a sequence like that on open water with actors and whatnot. So that's why eventually through multiple meetings and everybody talking and people like my father that had vast experience and whatnot, breaking it up into three, three bits to create the real sequence. I mean, Dennis, I know it's hindsight now after many years, but uh, in retrospect, do you think another line in the budget for wetsuit for first AD might have been a good <laughs> idea? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes and no. Um, you know, because uh, there's, you know, you, you just kind of, you know, mush through it. I have worn wetsuits on other, you know, for other sequences, other movies, creating, you know, hurricanes and whatnot. But yeah, it's just, it's part of the, the, the filming process. And, and knowing that the actors there with you, like a Harrison, you know, I felt more for him because he was a champ getting beat up constantly in the fight on the, because we also had that ship in the B tank, even on a gimbal. So it's not like they were just static and, you know, that ship was also going up and down to create an effect and, uh, and having all that wind constantly blowing in the, in the water. He and Sean were awesome. And Patrick, you know, yeah, we, like I said earlier, we got lucky. We had such a great cast, everybody, even little Thor, I, you know, I didn't know who she was at the time. And, and once again, to see her career soar afterwards was great because she showed up every day prepared. You, you never know with child actors, uh, you know, some, some are professionals, some, I think they're being pushed along by mom. So they get tired really easy. And, and then you've got to schedule around that. And, but not with Thora and Archer. Like I said, I, I thought the world of her and that's why I put her up for another movie. I just thought she was a wonderful person. And, you know, I'm kind of sad that I don't see her as much in film. Uh, I'm not sure if she chose to uh, not work as much. Um, I know she had children, but they must be all grown now. So the Hollywood can be fickle on that. Uh, Correct. That's... And not easy on women <laughs> as they age. But she was just, uh, I mean, I don't know, Annie, 
how much dealings you you actually had with her because you were following her, so she was probably Eight. not around as much. But she was great. Yeah, three films I worked with her. She was yeah, awesome. Yeah, so you just, you know, you get around these people and, and some you just adore and they're real people and they they show up every day and they work hard and uh, they don't run off to their trailers and they actually know the crew crew members' names. Well, great cast aside, though, from the stories you guys have shared, this sounds like it was a really hard movie to bring together. And yet, when we were talking about the podcast, just recording a podcast, it was you guys who suggested we talk about Patriot Games. Why has this movie stuck in your minds with such uh, great memories of this experience? Well, for me, I got to work with friends and I got to work with my father on, I thought I had read the book actually even before I got asked to do the movie because I was a fan of the book, you know, and I was able to influence production to have certain people on. So I got to surround myself with real friends, not only film friends, but true friends and go off and make an epic movie. And I think it, as much as maybe Rotten Tomatoes only rates it at 73, I think it deserves a little bit more than that personally, but that's just me, you know, cause we went through this, all, all three of us went through, I think a, a pretty amazing experience. It is, it's one of my, it's one of the reasons why I have the poster on my wall is cause I'm proud of it. Proud of the fact that I got asked to do it. And I'm happy that I got to work with uh, great friends and great, great talented friends behind the camera. Yeah, same for me. You know, I'd had a, a, an ongoing relationship with, with uh, all of these people. And, and here we are, what, 20, 30 years, I don't know, however many yeah. years later, and we still yeah. call each other friends and, and see each other. And, and so it was just a, uh, an epic project uh, of, of that but all of the friends are also top of the business and what they do. And so you can, you can really put out a, a, a fabulous product when there's that kind of synergy going on. And you joked about the nepotism earlier uh, with your, your brother, David, as the son coordinator on, on this movie. Sadly, no longer with us. Where was this in his career? Let's see, what was this, 92? Yeah. Um, I got in on Charlie's Angels in 77, did not get in through my brother. For my first five years, he said, you go, you meet all the coordinators, you learn driving and stuff, which I did from the best of them. Then I'll help you. I still have to this day a letter from my brother. He was on location on something and wrote me a letter saying, okay, it's five years now. So when I get back, I'm going to help you. You know, we actually worked as stunt people side by side. I believe he was four years older than me. So I got in, uh, let's see, I was 18. I think he got in right around there too. So he, he had a good five years on me in the business. But yes, it was fun doing stunts with him, actually. I remember one show where we had horse stuff and horses was my big thing. And besides water, we grew up in Malibu and, you know, all of us surfed and stuff. But one one job I'll never forget with my brother when he was still doing stunt work was a horse thing, and, and we're about to get on the horses. He said, Annie, Annie, come here. Quick, hurry, come here. Um, which side do I get on? He, didn't, he forgot which side of the horse to get on, and he rode on the beach, and he actually got a ticket for riding on Zuma Beach once. <laughs> But yeah, so he was he was like, wait, which side do I get on? He didn't want them to look over and say, oh, that guy can't ride. He doesn't know which side to get on. But, so it was fun. It, like the boys were saying, it's just so fun to work with family. I miss that tremendously. 
just to work with my dad and my brother. And like I said, my sister was on that too. She didn't become a stunt woman, but David got her card and put her on a few things. It's just, you know, to work with friends and everybody, you know, you're, you're comfortable because you know, everybody um, is top of their game, as the guys said. And safety wise, we're all thinking about safety, which, you know, I'm on the stunt and safety committee in SAG now the national and local committee and the, the accidents we've seen in the last five to 10 years, you got to really, as a stunt person, um, not take jobs that you can't do. You know, I've, I've told new stunt people, you got to be able to hit your mark in a car 50 times. I've had to do stuff. Uh, we dove out of a truck on a twister 18 times in a row, but with cars, you better hit your mark or you're going to take out people and cameras and, the car and yourself so it's just really nice to work with friends and people that are you know everything's gonna go safely and it did I mean we did most of freeway stuff we did in one take blowing out the window um, all that it was one take on each thing it was great well I feel like uh, critics have used aside and as I said that's that's not what we're here to talk about or to break down all of the work that you guys put in, the effort, it's on the screen. You can see uh, as it comes to the movie and these sequences, uh, it's all there. So uh, credit to all of you. And of course, the, the larger crew that is not with us today, but obviously was part of that effort as well. Thanks, guys. Very Thanks much so. Oh, it's no, thank fun. you. Thanks, Annie, for putting it together. And it's <laughs> always great to see you and Craig. Yeah. Likewise, likewise. Yeah, two, two, uh, two of my favorites. Well, that's been fun for me too. Listeners, I'd love to hear what you thought as well. You can send email to skid, S-K-I-D, at below the line, one word, dot biz. That's B-I-Z. I also appreciate your feedbacks via iTunes, where I review your ratings and comments, and Facebook, where I also post photos and other behind-the-scenes materials at podcast below the line. And finally, follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram. It's at pod below the line. Thanks to Curtis Five for our music and John Juan for our logo. The logo is available on t-shirts, mugs, and stickers at redbubble.com. Thanks for listening. Hope you'll join us again next time. Craig's on his way. You're going to work on a film, Craig. Yeah. Where where are you off to? Yeah, I leave on Sunday. I'm going to, uh, I'm on the next uh, uh, Chris Nolan secret title, secret name, you know, how, how he works. But uh, I'm going to Estonia. Well, first I go to Monaco to pick up the helicopter. Then I'm taking it up to Tallinn, Estonia, there for a couple of weeks. Then down to the Amalfi Coast wow. in Italy for a week. Then South UK, Isle of Wight. Uh, then Denmark. Uh, then uh, straight from there to Mumbai. And then uh, out of Mumbai, we come back here and shoot a couple, three weeks. So when you come back to L.A., I, I, I think you should probably, you know, talk to him and get me on it, too. <laughs> <Let's go. laughs> I was going to say, now who's going out of their way to make people jealous? Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah, After that, Mike, I'm I, exhausted. I want to be, yeah, uh, like, be on that. Yeah. About, about every three years, the, we, we, the, the Chris Nolan phone call comes, and when it does, we... We drop and go. I, I've been lucky to do. I think this is uh, ten in a row with him. Uh, wow. Dunkirk, Interstellar, Inception, all the Batman, Dark Knights. Uh, it's been a good run. So he's he's and and he's a wonderful guy to work with.